views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I want to welcome you. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. And thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And thank you guys for all of your emails, all of the things that you've sent to us uh, regarding the shows that we've been doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this has been really an interesting journey. And you're going to hear more about it today in the show. My very special guest joining me here today, profound story. The timeliness of being able to have a conversation with her is beyond the beyond. Um, I want to thank you all for uh, your heartfelt emails, for your voicemails, for all of the above that you have sent to connect with me. Those of you that have listened to the show and listened to uh, what we talked about, and uh, one of the things in particular I want to say is now you are going to start to see a lot of information. Perhaps, you know, there are uh, fundraisers now happening for depression, but I will tell you prior to the passing of Robin Williams, both of you, all of you heard me share how I could not find not but about a handful of public service announcements out there about the chronic depression, about, you know, uh, bipolar disease, and Glenn Close was leading the way. I did mention to all of you that if you wanted that information and you did go online to find it, Australia had an incredible campaign that they put together, and so did Canada. Um, and it was really to capture the essence, the full range of how depression affects people at all ages, all races, all religions. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, 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 depression, it, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't care. It doesn't care where you're born. Um, and so, I want to just acknowledge all of you that have sent us email. And for those of you that I've not gotten back to, trust me, I will. I will respond to each of you personally. Uh, yes, uh, this is a very timely conversation, a very timely conversation with someone that has come out into the world and is share her journey, her life, her struggles, her joy, her hope, and her perseverance in the world. You know, what does it mean to have a bipolar life? That's the subtitle of her book. What does that mean? Haldol and Hyacinth, the bipolar life. What does that mean? What does that mean? You're going to find out today. But this is actually one step beyond the beyond for me, having this conversation with, uh, with this very important, very special person. Because you guys heard me talk about my own personal journey, right? 
And many of you said, I cannot believe that you, Pat, came out and uh, you all call me DRP now. You all, uh, that, that I shared what I shared about my mother's bout with depression and suicide. So you all heard me talk about that openly. And I've been sharing a lot more about that, my own personal journey about that over a lifetime. But today, I want to just say to everybody out there, Melody Moisey is joining me here today, and I want to say this. You know, this is a conversation that is so, I, I have to say, eye-opening, enlightening, and so timely that none of us could have planned the conversation that she and I are about to have. If you, if you look at this, this, this woman an Iranian-American, you know, Muslim activist, attorney, award-winning author. You know, her blog, the blog that she wrote, um, and, and I want to just tell everybody about it in the, Huff, in, in the Huff Post, right, Huffington Post. If you go look at A Better Way to Remember Robin Williams, this is just posted on the 15th. If you, if you take a look into this and read what she has posted, as well as her book, you will get an insight into what is happening with people of all ages that is not being talked about. It's hard enough to show up in life and talk about depression. You sit at, you ever been to a party and you sit at a table and someone says, how are you? And you say, oh, you know what? I think I'm depressed. Uh, You can clear a room faster than you could shake a stick. Now, walk into that same room and say, oh, I'm okay, I'm doing pretty well with my uh, bipolar situation here. Uh, You won't even get anybody in the room. Melanie, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for joining me here today, and thank you for a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Thank you so much, Pat. You know, you are, um, you're out in the world, you're an award-winning author, you write in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Christian Science Monitor, The Guardian, you've been on... CNN, NPR, BBC, you name it, you've been on them all. Um, you also blog in the Huffington Post and this magazine, and, and you're a featured columnist. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you this question. How has your life changed since you have come out openly to talk about what your journey's been like? Yeah, I, you know, my, my, I anticipated a lot of things. I was very afraid to write this book. My first book, was about young Muslim Americans. I've been an activist since I was a kid. Uh, And when I was introduced to the mental health community from the inside as someone who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I realized that this is such a large community, actually. One in four people in a given year have a diagnosed mental illness. Half of Americans in their lifetimes will have a diagnosed mental illness. So it's not a tiny minority, but so quiet, you know. Uh, And when I was introduced to that community as an activist and part of it suddenly became part of it and was told you need to be ashamed of this part of yourself as somebody who'd grown up and never been told to be ashamed of any part of myself, no matter how unpopular it was politically to speak about that part of myself. Um, Suddenly I was told to be quiet and uh, that experience was really hard. And, but at the same time, like I said, as an activist, I've learned that when people tell you, you should be quiet about something, it's often because you really have something important to say that other people need to hear. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to speak out about it. And my fear was that I would lose credibility, um, especially if my, my first book was about young Muslim Americans. I thought, okay, now they're going to think I'm crazy because I'm Muslim or I'm Muslim because I'm crazy. 
Uh, I'm going to reinforce other stereotypes, but the truth is I'm sure I did lose credibility in certain circles, but I ended up gaining it in other circles, having so many people so much smarter and wiser than I come to me and say, we applaud your courage for speaking out. We would never do it. We would never talk on the radio about our bipolar (laughs) disorder, Um, but we applaud you for doing it. So there are a lot of very high-functioning people uh, living with mental illness. Unfortunately, they're still uncomfortable talking about it. Right, right. You know, one of the things you say, one of the things in the book say, you know, this book is my eyewitness testimony. And, you know, I mean, and, and you go on to say there's just so many things I want to talk to you about here, Melody. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, you know, also there was a conversation, you know, the blog that you posted about the information that's coming out about Robin Williams, right? Okay. It's like there are more Monday morning quarterbacks around right. mental illness now than I have seen in yeah. 10 years, by the way, doing radio, 11 years, right? Yeah. Um why do you think there is this rush right now to get in the conversation about this? Um, I think people really quickly wanted to brand him as some sort of poster boy for mental illness. I thought for the mm-hmm. longest time that he had bipolar disorder. He never in his life mm-hmm. said that. Um, I was being wheeled away in a stretcher and five-point restraint and right. at a crisis center, and there was a crisis counselor talking to my husband, watching this happen, and I'm yelling obscenities at my husband. I was completely manic in, in the midst of a psychotic break when this happened. And the crisis counselor said, and my husband remembers, and I write about it in the book, uh, don't worry, she'll be okay. She just has bipolar. You know, Robin Williams also has bipolar disorder. And that was her way of sort of comforting him, like, oh, look, there's this really wow. smart and successful person who has it. And I get it. Like, I get the urge to do that. It really helps us to know that other people who are successful um, share our diagnoses. But I think it's important to recognize that we're a lot more than a set of labels and diagnoses. And these diagnoses in and of themselves don't mean much. We're human beings first and foremost. And I think, uh, unfortunately, Robin Williams may not have been treated with the same level of humanity. Um, I, I I think people were pushing him to speak about having a mental illness, which is something that I did as a choice, you know. I don't think he ever had that choice because people labeled him before he could feasibly come out and start talking about it uh, and asked him to be a spokesperson for them when really I think he was doing so much through his art, and I write about it in the article. I think there's a great movie that he's in called What Dreams May Come that tells you so much more about suicide and depression than I think he ever could have as a celebrity spokesperson. You know, his art speaks for itself. Uh, and I think it will continue to speak for itself if we let it, if, if we don't just get caught up in this sensationalism, I think. Well, you know, that's why I'm so thrilled to be talking with you today, because um, I don't even know how to begin to honor you for the work that, that, that you've done for writing this book. I, I mean, you know, it's really kind of interesting that I get to have a conversation, you know, with you, Melody, about something that's so profoundly touching, and yet... You, you know, when we look at, at folks that are out in the world that have bipolar disorder, the, the tricky thing, isn't it, that, you know, anybody that would read your bio, right, anybody mm-hmm. that would go and follow your blog, anybody that would right. take a look at your press release, they'd be like, oh, you got to be kidding me with her. She <laughs> looks so good. <laughs> As if to say that what your experience is like is bad. And that's what I want to talk about. And I want to thank you for sharing this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Melody about what this journey's been like 
I'm going to tell you all how you can find out more about her, um, how you can follow her blog, and what it is that one may want to know, what one may want to know about this journey, how it transcends all words that you could probably put into the written language. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Galios miso dressings are delicious and made with only the finest, freshest, and all-natural ingredients. Galios miso dressings are low in fat, sugar, salt, and carbohydrates. They do not contain any artificial ingredients or any wheat, eggs, vegetable gums, or MSG. What they do contain is astonishing flavor and silky texture that can only come from using premium quality ingredients. Order online with free shipping at www.galeoscafe.com. That's G-A-L-E-O-S cafe.com. Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. The website is bellevue.wellness1.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellness1.net. Tune in to Sheer Alchemy with Leslie Fontaine on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get ready to stir up your passions, remove your blocks, and shift into an entirely new existence. Speaker, teacher, channel, clairvoyant, Leslie Fontaine is a transformation catalyst who channels a powerful energy from source to catapult listeners into living the life they were born to live. Whether it's shifting from scarcity to abundance, from emotional pain into joy, or from illness into health, Leslie will help you step into the true essence and power of all that you are with the help of the Ascended Masters and Archangels. You will not be the same. Visit TransformationTalkRadio.com for show dates and times and LeslieFontaine.com to say yes to explosive abundance. Hey, do you like free stuff? The Dr. Pat Show has an amazing giveaway program doing weekly giveaways on Facebook and Twitter. Go to Facebook.com slash The Dr. Pat Show and click the like button. Then go to Twitter.com slash The Dr. Pat Show and click the follow button. Then you can play along and enter to win some amazing prizes. Again, that's Facebook.com slash The Dr. Pat Show and Twitter.com slash The Dr. Pat Show. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Oh, this is so cool. Melody Morrissey joining me here today. Guess what? This is what this book is about, and we're going to talk about it. Aldol and Hyacinth. Uh, it is a bipolar life, but here's the deal. Intelligent, accurate, entertaining, culturally relevant, and a little sassy. 
That's what the New York Journal of Books is saying. But here, here, listen to this. Listen to this. Uh, Wit smart but whimsical. That's the way that Melody is being described about her honesty and her comic self uh, deprecation. You know, this is really, Melanie, uh, this is really kind of cool to be able to talk about you uh, and, and talk with you and have you talk about yourself in this way. You could have written this book in a million different ways. I've got to ask you, what called you to write it this way? What <laughs> called you to, to be like, look at you and me, we're laughing about it, right? Yeah. I was on yeah. the other day, someone sent me an email and said, Dr. Pat, you just got done talking about your mother's suicide, and then you chuckled. Why did you do that? <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it, so that's what I'm going to yeah. ask you. How can you laugh, Melody, about this journey? How can I not laugh? I, I honestly, I don't think I would be here. I don't think I would be here if it weren't for the fact that I can laugh at it. And and I didn't have a choice of how to write it. I was writing it uh, from my experience, and my experience is that all of the things that happened to me, and I experienced some real dehumanizing and humiliating things uh, in different hospitals. Uh, I had to see the humor in it when it was happening, and I'm telling you, I did when it was happening. Uh, in a lot of cases, and had I not, I'm, I, like I said, I don't think I would be here. So that's just my personality, and a lot of people would say, oh, it's a defense mechanism, and you know what? It is, and in some ways, sometimes it can be too much, and in the book, I write about that as well, uh, but I, I wouldn't give up my sense of humor uh, right. because I don't think I'd be here without it. Right. I, you know, I, and, you know, part of this is, you know, when I look at the book, uh, people, people are going to ask the question. I know you've been asked this question a million times. You know, uh, why would you actually name a book this? And, of course, you have to read it to figure it out. But, you know, the question is, why not name the book this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Haldol is the first drug that brought me back to reality when I had a psychotic break. Um, it's not something I take every day by any means, uh, but it was something that, I mean, quickly brought me from psychosis and delusions and hallucinations to reality. To, I mean, that's pretty amazing, and it makes you realize why deinstitutionalization happened in the first place. Obviously, it didn't happen well, but um, why it happened. Suddenly, people who could not, I mean, if I didn't have access to antipsychotics to this day, and I don't take Haldol per se, uh, but I do maybe half a dozen times a year take an antipsychotic when I experience symptoms of mania, uh, I'm able to keep it at bay. Uh, it's pretty amazing that I can do that at home. Otherwise, I'd have to be in the hospital all the time. Uh, so I'm very grateful for that. Uh, and then the hyacinth part of it is uh, hyacinths represent rebirth in Persian culture. Uh, and the other thing is I, I thought they formed a pretty good metaphor for what I was dealing with because they're very difficult to get to grow straight. Um, they sort of always are bending one way or another. So, yeah. <laughs> So that's what those. That's that's the title. <laughs> well, I love the title because you know, for uh, a lot of folks, they they don't really understand the nature of bipolar disorder, let alone what might be involved with it. You know, you write very vividly about the journey. I mean, you you even talk about how your family interacted with you in terms of decisions that you've made. You know, asking you, "Are you crazy?" I think your dad at one point asked you that over something, right? Uh, he's asked me that a lot. I, I <laughs> and I, I, you know, so this is the, beyond talking about this openly. You also have, you know, culture that is right in front of you. 
mm-hmm. that that you have to really deal with as well. Right. Uh, not that other people don't, but you right. really do. And yeah. I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, I grew up in an Italian family. My mother was depressed. Uh, some people say she was absolutely bipolar. And by the way, she had me as an addict and an alcoholic. And right. so, but you never talked about that in this family. You couldn't. And right. so what you did is keep them quiet, lock her up, give her more drugs. How did your, you know, culture either hinder or help you from being honest about your journey? Yeah, I think it, it, it hindered me a lot. It's funny. I got an email, uh, like, last week from a woman who said all these nice things about my book, and then and she was Iranian, and she said, I can't believe your parents let you write about <laughs> Like, my parents, I'm 34 years old, and they still have control over me, but they start, they do. I will say they still do. As long as they're alive, they'll have control over me to a certain extent. But uh, my culture, I mean, I think... We don't talk about it. It's not something, and it's weird, too. In the diaspora, a lot of Iranians who live in the U.S. are doctors. Uh, and I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, surrounded by a lot of Iranian doctors who understood the medicine. And that's, I was blessed in the sense that my parents both understood the medicine. And they said, this is a real illness. You need to treat it. No one took me for an exorcism. No one said, you can pray this away. Uh, immediately they recognized that. My sister is also a physician. Same thing. She completely recognized it. So I was blessed in that sense. Um, but in terms of culturally, we don't even have a word, and I write about it in the book, we don't have a word for um, bipolar and Farsi. We, we just steal from the French, and I'm going to destroy it if I try and just maniacal <laughs> depressive. It's really bad. But uh, we steal from the French, or we just say bipolar. Uh, but it's not something that we, we really speak about. You know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, you're not just a person that is, you know, of a particular race, of a particular religion, of a particular anything. anything. You're a woman in the world that is a very, very successful woman by all of our standards, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so psychotic break isn't anything that would, you know, people would associate with, and I'm going to say this kind of tongue-in-cheek if you don't mind, someone like you, someone like me. Right? They'd yeah. be like, what? Now, in the book, you talk about this, but you also talk about the journey to succeed, the der- journey to be reborn. Right. I'd love for you to share how you got that insight. Yeah, you know, I, I have, I, I've been sort of, I, my parents raised me to believe that I was capable of doing anything, which is an amazing mm-hmm. gift, I think, that you can give any child. Um, and I really wanted, I was always interested in social justice and I I wanted to be, I thought that's what you do. I read To Kill a Mockingbird in high school. I wanted to be Atticus Finch and I I decided I would be a lawyer, uh, because that's what you do if you're interested in social justice. And, uh, then I realized how slowly the legal system works and how much of it is incredibly boring to do that, the discovery part. I mean, if I could just do closing arguments and cross-examinations all day, I would do that. But unfortunately, that is not what the majority of practicing law is like. Uh, so when I realized I had a talent with words and I really enjoyed not so much writing, but maybe the product of writing, uh, having written, and sometimes the process, but the process can be torture as well. Um, it sort of depends. But once I realized that that was sort of my calling, you know, it was clear to me. Uh, I attribute having a sort of impulsive nature that goes with bipolar for a lot of people uh, to my saying, okay, well, I don't want to practice law. I got 
I, I passed the bar and I graduated from Emory Law School in Atlanta. And I also got a master's in public health while I was there for good measure. And I decided to use neither one of those pieces of paper um, and decided I wanted to be a writer. And for Iranian parents to just have their freshly minted lawyers say, I don't want to practice law, uh, I give them credit because they did, they did okay and they, they were didn't realize that it was possible in America to make a living as an artist, and it turns out it is. Uh, and I was very blessed that eventually that came to pass for me. Uh, and I worked very hard for it as well. But I think part of my getting where I got had to do with falling apart and getting broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a severe physical illness that wounded me, literally, and I think spiritually wounded me in a lot of ways. Uh, and I had to deal with that. And the process of rebuilding myself meant that I had an opportunity to start what I really wanted. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people don't do what they really want in life. Uh, and one of the biggest blessings of getting torn down, whether it's because of a psychotic break or a physical illness or whatever, is that you're given that gift. You're given that opportunity to really question what you want in life and go after it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to tell you, I love that what you talked about as well when you did the, you know, talk about the blog. I mean, I, you know, I was reading your blog, and I have to tell you, out of everything I've read since the passing of Robin Williams, what I loved about what you wrote was you wrote it from someone that has taken the journey, um, that has been down the pathway. And, and so what's happening is that we're starting to get a lot of information that is based on self-centered motives and intentions, either yeah. from people that wish they would have paid more attention to Robin Williams and done something about it, um, and other people that don't want to even think about him. Uh, in, you know, it's really interesting. You know, they don't want to think about him as someone that actually took his life. And Mm -hmm. so we're now in this place, and I would love for you to share this when you come back, because you talk about this place in a lot of different, a lot of different aspects of the book, but you talk about this place, I think, especially when you refer to your husband and some of the things he did, this place where others don't really want to wrap their minds around it, maybe want to be analytical about it. But the question is, do any of us really want to be activists about this? And what does Mm -hmm. that even look like? look like when we come back we're going to talk to melody about her nature to be an activist what the message is what we can learn and then what we can do stay tuned everyone we'll be right back with the show my very special guest melody moisey joining me here today and for those of you out there Heldall and hyacinth yep a bipolar life it is a phenomenal book stay tuned we'll be right back Where do you desire to go in your life? Are you only looking outside yourself for the answers? What if you use your soul's wisdom to lead the way? So what is the soul and how do you access its wisdom? Soul Suitcase with Victoria Cohen will unpack these questions and help you tap into and trust your own inner voice to solve everyday problems. Our Soul Suitcase is a treasure chest of wisdom inside us waiting to be discovered. Listen to Soul Suitcase while Victoria Cohen takes everyday situations like job loss, relationship struggles, parenting challenges, work stress, and health concerns and shows you how awakening to your inner voice helps you make more conscious choices where your life flows more smoothly with greater clarity 
clarity, purpose, grace, and ease. As a psychotherapist and soul coach, Victoria has inspired thousands of clients over the past 31 years to listen to their inner wisdom and let it guide them on their true path. You can learn this too on Soul Suitcase with Victoria Cohen. Your soul suitcase is packed. Are you ready to start your journey? Hi, this is David Zarza. And Philip Zarza. And we're the Sophisticated Guys. And we're here with your tip of the week. Make an inventory of the 10 most important people in your life. Then, add the 10 people with whom you spend the most time. There might be overlap from these lists. Spend time listing their qualities of these people that you admire and respect. Then go back and make a list of characteristics or aspects these people possess that you find challenging. Reflect on how these aspects, both light and dark, make you feel. How many of these would you also use to describe yourself? Do you notice any resistance? If so, there's growth to be had there. Join us for our next Purposeful Living webinar series to explore more. Watch our webinar series or schedule a session by visiting GetSophisticated.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com and call 206-420-8660. Tune in to the Angels and Answers Psychic Radio Show with Clairvoyance Artie Hoffman and Sky Siegel every Thursday for a two-hour show, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio. Artie and Sky deliver spiritual and motivational messages with passion and a sense of humor. Call in 800-930-2819 for live and on-air readings. Visit ArtieHoffman.com and SkyOfAngels.com. Hi, I'm Kelly Clarkson, and I've toured the country dozens of times, and there's one thing I see everywhere, childhood hunger. The sad truth is that 17 million kids struggle with it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers up surplus food and gets it to hungry kids. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Melody, thank you so much for joining me. Before we kind of go further into this conversation, because it's going to get really juicy here in a minute, please let folks know how they can get a copy of the book, how they can follow you on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and definitely they can Google you and find you. What's the best way for folks to find out more about you? Uh, my website is MelodyMoisey.com, M-E-L-O-D-Y-M-O-E-Z-Z-I.com. Um, and the book is available wherever books are sold on Amazon and everything, except I, I really would appreciate it if you guys can afford it. If you want to buy the book and you want a hard copy to go to your local independent bookstore and get it there because they're a dying breed and I'd like to support them. Absolutely. And local bookstore, if you guys want to know of any in this state or in Westerly, there are tons of them. East West Books. Um, but you know, uh, plenty of places to go ahead and do that. And I choose support. I love that you're supporting the local bookstores. Well, they support uh, me. So, you know, yeah. Amazon doesn't invite me to come speak in your town, but yeah, the local right. bookstore does. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, are, are people now inviting you to come speak? You know, what have you discovered as you share this information? And we're going to get, to, you know, a little bit deeper into the details. You know, what have you discovered is happening and, you know, how are some of the insights that you have shared, especially about some of the behavior of your husband and so forth, how have these now come back to you 
in terms of what people are saying in hindsight, so to speak. Yeah, no, I've been blessed. A lot of people have invited me to come and speak. I'm speaking at the National Alliance on Mental Illness National Conference in D.C. in a couple weeks, actually. Um, and just meeting a lot of other people living with mental illness. And what's been so great about that experience is something about living with mental illness. You feel so alone, um, especially in the hospital. It's such an isolating. I mean, literally, they put you in solitary confinement in some cases, and they did for me, and that was one of the most horrifying experiences. Um, but that feeling of isolation, it, it goes with you. It's not just literal. You know, it, it keeps, keeps at you. Uh, and for me, coming out and speaking publicly about it was very liberating. Uh, like I said, some people, I'm sure I lost credibility with them, but I gained credibility in so many other circles. Uh, and those are the circles I'd rather be in right now, honestly. So I, I've been really happy with the response from the public in general. You know, I want to talk to you about sort of uh, the journey with this and the details of it. And thank you so much for joining me here today. I cannot thank you enough. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, when I started to share information about my mom about a year ago um, or so, actually it was longer than that, I started to talk a, a little bit more about it. Um, it was never really quite revealed in my family what she went through. I will, t I will tell you this. The reason that I did find out what my, you know, what my mom's journey was like was because my stepmother saved letters from her after her first suicide attempt. Uh, and that she wrote, and she wrote to me, and I was young at the time, and I cannot believe that my stepmom actually did that, and what a gift of love that was. Yeah. I can't even imagine her life or your life in trying to make sense of this for people in the outside world. And you talk a lot about, you know, your interaction with others, what it was like, uh, you know, being put in isolation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What was some of the most interesting aspects of this journey, especially with your family? Um, I think finding out afterwards, my my husband, I met him when I was in college, and mm -hmm. I, I was probably like 17 or 18 when I first met him. Uh, so I've known him forever. We just celebrated our 12th wedding anniversary, uh, and he is my best friend. But I didn't want, like, I love him so more than anyone else on the planet, so I wouldn't want him to suffer at all. And I was suffering so much inside my own self, and I didn't want to be with me. If I could have left me, I would have left me. And, but I couldn't, you know. So I told him after the psychotic break, after I got out of the hospital, I said, you know, you didn't sign up for this, uh, and I wouldn't hold it against you if you wanted to leave. And his immediate response was, I knew you were crazy from day one. <laughs> and uh, it was a reminder to me that I was the same person. You know, I hadn't changed. I suddenly had a label, um, and which actually should make things better, but labels are scary. You know, immediately I felt like I was a different person, but he reminded me, and I think that's what love does for you. It reminds you who you really are in those moments when you feel like you've been hijacked. And I'm, literally my brain had been hijacked. And when I first went to the hospital, they tested me for cocaine and methamphetamine because I looked like I was high. Um, and I'm Muslim. I don't even drink alcohol, you know, so I was clearly on whatever was in my own brain, and that's, that can be terrifying. And uh, as scary as it was for me, the idea that he would stick around uh, willingly mm. uh, and, and still love me and say that, and we had good times, you know, even though we were going through all of that, uh, he, he just, he, he's amazing. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would be here without him. 
Well, you know, part of that, you know, people say love heals all. Um, I think I think it's a good start, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> love is a good start. Um, and, you know, and one of the things that I, I love that you just shared about that is, yeah, I mean, how did you deal with your own self-esteem throughout the journey? Because, yeah, you would think, oh, my God, I am defective. Uh, right. Why would you stay with me? You didn't sign up for this. And yeah. how did you manage to deal with those days? I, you know, it's something I still deal with. I'm incredibly insecure in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways. And I think acknowledging it, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if that will ever go away, but acknowledging it and acknowledging that I'm not alone in that department either um, has helped me a lot. I, I think in a lot of ways I was trying to be something um, that wasn't that wasn't fully me and wasn't fully real. Uh, and the thing about going crazy is nobody had any expectations of me afterwards. You know, no, everyone was like, oh. okay, as long as you can just keep it together, uh, then it opened the doors for me to say, okay, well, I'm just going to do what I really want to do, you know? Uh, and, and like I said, that, that was a real gift. And it made me realize that having a mind that works differently, whether it's because you have bipolar disorder or you have depression or dyslexia or autism or whatever it is, it's obviously going to cause problems that other people won't have, no doubt. But it also means that you can see solutions where other people can't see them. Uh, and that is something I wouldn't want to give up. And I've learned to value that part of my brain. Uh, and more than anything, I think that that has really helped. I mean, more than anything, I guess, love. But beyond that, mm-hmm. uh, learning to value my own brain and how it works differently and how, you know, it's not always a bad thing uh, has helped me a lot. You know, isn't it interesting, because you talk about this in the book, and, and again, you talk about it in the blog. Uh, I mean, it's kind of this, this, this is a question I want to ask you. You end up defending yourself, don't you? You know, to the point where when people just can't make sense of this, what you've written in your book, how you've written it, you know, you, it's kind of like stepping forward and, de- and having to defend a position until you don't anymore, see? And, you know, I wanted to ask you, I mean, it's like Robin Williams. I think you talked about this in the blog where people would ask him, you know, about bipolar disorder. And he would say, no, this, no, that. And he would kind of dance around it a little bit. But there's this notion, isn't there, Melody? And I'd love for you to talk to this because you do talk about it in different places in the book. There's this notion that even if you do have bipolar disorder or even if you are chronically, clinically depressed, you should be able to step up, girl, talk about this, tell the world, fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what pull yourself you out of it. Yeah. <laughs> pull yourself out of it, right? Right, yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say there's definitely, I think what's hard for people is with mental health, diet helps, exercise helps. A lot of lifestyle changes help incredibly. So, people might assume that, okay, well, then that means it's your fault, that you're responsible for it. But the truth is, with cancer, diet helps, exercise helps, all of that helps. With all illnesses, it helps to take care of yourself, for sure. But that's not enough. Just like we were saying about love, it's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Uh, you, you need real treatment, and that, that's ultimately what I was lucky enough to get. And these days, and in the book, I write about having a lot of trouble with therapy, um, culturally speaking, I just I felt like it was a construct that I didn't fully understand and that was very culturally foreign to me. 
uh, talking to someone who wasn't really talking back to me and who I was paying for that service, um, it just was very foreign to me. And eventually I finally found somebody who I could work with uh, as a psychiatrist. And in the book I I did, and I did later on in life, uh, and now I'm actually in therapy once a week, uh, which is something I never thought I would go back to. Uh, but I did find the right person, and a lot of stars aligned, and I consider it fate that I was able to find the right person. And I've been in therapy for almost a year now, and it's helped so much more than just medication. I wanted to ask you about that because there's this dialogue that happens, and, you know, I loved when you were talking about in the book what your experience was during the Obama election. I loved reading (laughs) that. Yeah, I, I love reading that in so many ways because it took me back to a situation which um, I went through, you know, in, in in my own life with you know. And here's what I want to ask you about this: you know, here we are, right? And we're looking at the world, and in, you know, there is now a rise up to understand more about bipolar disorder, other things. There is also some controversy right now in the media, especially with uh, television series like Black Box. Right, And I wanted to talk with you when we come back about is the media doing any good at all with any of this stuff, or do we need to really look in a different direction? Is the focus on bipolar disorder that's happening in film, uh, in television series, and I mean hit television series, yeah. you know, yeah. are we doing any help with this? And is it, is it going to help us understand what it actually means to find the right therapist or a good one. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. My very special guest, Melody Moyes, is joining me here today. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. We're going to take that that conversation on in a minute. We'll be right back. Always inspiring and uplifting, Brenda Thine spreads love and light wherever she goes. Enlightening, empowering, and encouraging readings, Brenda connects with your guides, angels, fairies, and loved ones who have crossed over to provide you with the highest guidance possible to enable you to live your highest truth and maximize your potential. Always light-filled, a session with Brenda will have you feeling wonderful, centered, and ready to take on anything. Schedule your session now at brendathine.com. That's brenda, T-H-Y-N-E.com. Are you ready to move past limiting beliefs and unconscious obstacles that are holding you back from financial prosperity? Do you want to be free from debt and that feeling of being disempowered? Mary Jane Allen is a financial healer and joy creation specialist who uses her unique set of tools included in her financial healing process to help her clients move past those beliefs and fears. For more information and to contact Mary Jane, visit her website, manifestyourlifedream.com and begin your financial healing process today. How do you feel when you hear the word retirement? What does that mean? Good question. You are unique, and you deserve an individual plan to help you achieve your definition of retirement. Jeff Packman, financial advisor with Ameriprise Financial, invites you to attend a special evening to learn about how to more confidently make informed choices. Call Packman, Brown & Associates a financial advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated in Bellevue, Washington at 425-372-4813 today for a formal invitation to the September 16th seminar. Hors d'oeuvres, refreshments, and parking will be provided. This is an informational event. There is no cost or obligation. Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, member of FINRA, 
and SIPC. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. Anxiety is in many ways a learned behavior, which is rooted in our childhood. During our early years, when we are the most dependent on others, negative feedback, judgment, or ridicule infiltrate our subconscious mind and leave us wondering whether we are really safe, lovable, or good enough. In response, a part of our mind develops protective strategies to keep us from getting hurt. Let's imagine that the anxiety you've been battling with stems from the part that has assumed the job of keeping you safe. Doesn't it then make sense that your anxiety makes you expect the worst, so that you are prepared, keeps you on your toes to avoid failure, or shames and belittles you before someone else can do this to you? When you consider the source of your anxiety as a vulnerable child that just tries to keep you safe, you no longer feel that you're the victim of your own mind but instead are more easily able to take on the role of the caring, reassuring adult. Hey everybody, welcome back. Um, I have to just say everyone, this is a must read. Um, Haldol and Hyacinth, A Bipolar Life, Melody Moisey joining me here today. And as we said before, you can you can Google this. Um, I would encourage you to, you know, read this book. I have found this book so enlightening. And at the same time, Melody, it helps people, and especially for me as I read this, I got to understand my mom more uh, and, and others in my life. But for the most part, what I loved about it is how you show up in life. And what I mean by that is, you know, you are really someone that most people would look out look at on the surface and say she is the most highly unlikely individual to be writing a book like that. And I think that's great. That's the challenge and the opportunity, isn't it? And we're finding this in the media. Like you and I were talking about Black Box before, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think we expect people. Yeah, I think the media is helping. I think, and obviously, it's going to hurt and help at the same time. I, I (laughs) love, I love watching Law and Order, and I, it's garbage. A lot. I just sit and I point to everything that's happening, and I'm like, fruit of the poisonous tree. You can't. None of the evidence is admissible. They're destroying all the evidence in terms of whether it's admissible in court. And yet, somehow, it ends up being admissible. So, obviously, you have to suspend disbelief. Uh, but Law & Order, for example, is a good example of they did not do a really good job throughout a lot of times, don't do a really good job of representing mental illness. Because, particularly, there's a preconception that the mentally ill are violent. It turns out we're actually, when you control for substance abuse, no more violent than the general population. On average, we are actually much more likely to be victims of violent crimes, um, far more likely. And also, if you want to talk about gun control, and that's when people love talking about mental illness, when there's been some sort of school shooting or whatever, and you suspect that the perpetrator has a mental illness, um, you know, there's twice as many suicides as there are homicides in the U.S. And two-thirds of all gun fatalities are suicides, and more than half of all suicides are gun-related. So if you want to talk about those issues, I think it's great. I think we need to talk about them not in the context of homicide. I think that guns and violence are an issue for sure, but that in the context of suicide when it comes to people with mental illness, we're generally not a threat to other people. Um, And that's what I realize is when you see legislation being passed based on protecting the public from the mentally ill, you're not going to have successful legislation there if you're trying to protect the public from the, men- the violent mentally ill because that's not the majority of us. 
um, and it ends up stigmatizing us. So if you're passing a piece of legislation like Laura's law, or I think in New York you have Kendra's law, those kinds of laws that are named after people who were victims of others who were in the midst of a psychotic break, for example. Right. Uh, I, right. I understand the idea of treatment before tragedy, but the vast majority of the tragedies are not the, the kinds of someone pushing someone else onto the subway. Uh, they're the kinds of somebody killing themselves. Uh, right. And those are the right. tragedies we need to be talking about uh, more than any others. Not to say that it's not important to discuss the other ones. Like, fine, it is, but then it ends up perpetuating the stigma and just the false notion that we're more violent than the general public when we really are not. Well, you know, part of this is also, and I love what you just talked about. Yeah, I, I watched the Law and Order ones, too. Fascinating, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not an attorney like you are. Mm-hmm. But myself and my friend, we sit there and we're like, yeah, right, that's going to happen. I, you know, that's, yeah, you're going to get that. That would be a judge that would tolerate that kind of thing in court. Um, but at the same time, I think what we're talking about here is having a conversation. Yeah. That's what you and I are having. We're having a conversation that's not built upon fantasy. It's built upon your journey, your life. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the funny. Um, and you share that so beautifully. You know, in in hindsight now, in kind of looking at Robin Williams, and our hearts goes out to him, his family, and his life. And I love what you said. It is time for us to appreciate him through through his art. How can we look at folks that are suffering as he did, that have gone through what you've gone through, what would be the most helpful message that you could say to folks that know other people that might be struggling and suffering right now? I would say never, never, never lower your expectations for them or let them know that you've done that. I was told in the hospital um, by mental health professionals uh, to lower my expectations for my life over and over again. Not only was I told to lower them, I was told that I was not capable of achieving the things I had already achieved. I had one hospital that actually thought that the things that I'd achieved were delusions. Um, Mm. In my records wrote, patient believes that she's a lawyer and an author, uh, until at the end they crossed out the word believe, you know. Uh, I think acknowledging that we are capable of extraordinary things because we have extraordinary minds uh, is a huge part of that, and to not uh, let us believe that we're not. So if that woman, you know, in one of my outtake interviews, there was a woman who wasn't even a doctor who told me that I would have to lower my expectations for my life. Uh, if I, you know, if I didn't have the family I do, if I didn't have the background that I do, I might have believed her. Uh, mm. And I, I might be doing beyond disability right now, you know. And mm. four of the top ten leading causes of disability in the world are mental illnesses. And I don't think it's because the illnesses themselves are so disabling. I think it's because the stigma is so disabling, even within the mental health community, especially within the mental health community, that they think that we're not capable of accomplishing the kinds of things that I've accomplished or many of the people who I know who are living with mental illnesses have accomplished, because we are capable of extraordinary things. I think that's really the message for all of us, and that's why, I, you know, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, you do talk about, you know, let's, let's understand Robin Williams through his art. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, you and I are having this conversation because 
we are in a world right now where we're so connected. You know, to do a show like this and know that it's being heard on 300 networks in the United States, countries all over the world, people will hear this on their podcast, their download in a couple of weeks. And this is a venue that did not exist 11 years when I started this, right? Right. You know, what? what is it that gives us hope about the book you've written, your message, that could potentially change the lives of people? And thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Pat. When we say hope, what does that inspire in you? For me? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of hope for people living with all sorts of challenges. To me, being mentally, like having a mental illness uh, is just one of the, and you asked about being a member of all these different minority groups as well. Mm-hmm. Um, those challenges that being Iranian-American Muslim, bipolar feminist, all those labels um, that uh, invite discrimination, essentially. They invite people to treat me differently because of those labels. Um, if, I, I feel like I've found a way to uh, embrace them and learn from them and learn from being treated not so well and being viewed differently and also learn that people discriminate a lot of times not out of pure hatred uh, but out of ignorance. They, they honestly don't know better. And every time you can introduce them to another person who is different than they are, uh, you open their minds. And, you, and every time you do that, you sort of change the world in a small way. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I'm hoping to do. That's what I'm hoping to do with my activism and with my writing. Wow. You know, thank you again for joining me here today. And, you know, I have one last question for you. And, and, boy, I'm so honored that uh, you've joined me here today. What would you like to leave everyone with here, Melody? What, what, would you, what would be your personal message to the folks tuning into the show today? Um, first, I, I do want to leave you with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline because we have spoken yeah. about that. That number is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Um, and particularly in, in the discussion of suicide, um, I, I would like to say, and to you personally, Dr. Pat, um, suicide isn't a rational choice. Ninety percent of people who take their own lives, and I say take their own lives, but truly lose their lives to suicide. They have disordered brains. They're not thinking rationally. Um, and those are some of the hardest deaths to deal with for those left behind. Uh, but th- there is hope for them. And recognizing um, the signs and recognizing their own uh, internal struggles and what they're dealing with and how, uh, especially with depression and bipolar, are highly hereditary. And that is a signal to you if somebody around you takes their own life, that it's something that you need to be looking at yourself. And if if you're having any of those thoughts, like I said, that lifeline uh, is available, and there is help out there, and you're not alone. And that, that's a big thing that I guess I would want to leave people with, is that they are not alone. That's a great, great way to end the show, and thank you so much for that. That is, uh, for many of you tuning in, there is help, and there's also love, as you've talked about, Melody. Thank you for a phenomenal show. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Dr. Pat. 
Oh, my gosh. What a great show, everyone. If you've missed any part of this, it will replay tonight. Um, please, the book is Haldol and Hyacinth, uh, Bipolar Life, Melody Moisby, joining me here today. You can certainly Google her. You could go to her website. You could find her at the Huntington Post. And if you haven't read her uh, her blog uh, that she posted the other day, please go ahead and do that. Thank you all for tuning us in. We'll see you next time on the where do you desire to go in your life are you only looking outside yourself for the answers what if you use your soul's wisdom to lead the way so what is the soul and how do you access its wisdom Soul Suitcase with Victoria Cohen will unpack these questions and help you tap into and trust your own inner voice to solve everyday problems. Our Soul Suitcase is a treasure chest of wisdom inside us waiting to be discovered. Listen to Soul Suitcase while Victoria Cohen takes everyday situations like job loss, relationship struggles, parenting challenges, work stress, and health concerns and shows you how awakening to your inner voice helps you make more conscious choices where your life flows more smoothly with greater clarity purpose, grace, and ease. As a psychotherapist and soul coach, Victoria has inspired thousands of clients over the past 31 years to listen to their inner wisdom and let it guide them on their true path. You can learn this too on Soul Suitcase with Victoria Cohen. Your soul suitcase is packed. Are you ready to start your journey? Hi, this is David Zarza. And Philip Zarza. And we're the Sophisticated Guys. And we're here with your tip of the week. Make an inventory of the 10 most important people in your life. Then, add the 10 people with whom you spend the most time. There might be overlap from these lists. Spend time listing their qualities of these people that you admire and respect. Then go back and make a list of characteristics or aspects these people possess that you find challenging. Reflect on how these aspects, both light and dark, make you feel. How many of these would you also use to describe yourself? Do you notice any resistance? If so, there's growth to be had there. Join us for our next Purposeful Living webinar series to explore more. Watch our webinar series or schedule a session by visiting GetSophisticated.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com and call 206-420-8660. Tune in to the Angels and Answers Psychic Radio Show with Clairvoyance Artie Hoffman and Sky Siegel every Thursday for a two-hour show, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio. Artie and Sky deliver spiritual and motivational messages with passion and a sense of humor. Call in 800-930-2819 for live and on-air readings. Visit ArtieHoffman.com and SkyOfAngels.com. Hi, I'm Kelly Clarkson, and I've toured the country dozens of times, and there's one thing I see everywhere, childhood hunger. The sad truth is that 17 million kids struggle with it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers up surplus food and gets it to hungry kids. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. (laughs) 